Today, as you know, marks the first Sunday of Advent. That means that we celebrate the coming of this season with some new colors, with some festivals and rituals. We have the Advent festivals this morning and rituals like lighting the Advent wreath. Advent is a time of watching and waiting, is a time of preparing and posturing for the coming of God. Advent is meant to help us order, or maybe better, reorder our lives. The theory goes that if we're aware of the seasons of the year and open to the coming of God, we just might be more aware of God and God's promises and God's presence and God's purposes for our very lives. During the Sundays of Advent, I'm going to be preaching on a particular passage from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, where this prophet who lived uh, around 600 B.C. speaks about the coming of God. Listen to this passage. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son has been given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. So for the seasons, the Sundays of Advent leading up to Christmas Eve, I'll be preaching on those memorable titles that Isaiah announces, the titles The names of this one who comes, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is how the prophet announces the God who comes. And if we know this God who comes, we just might be transformed more and more. If we know this God who comes, we just might live our lives in alignment with this God who comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So today I'm focusing on that first title, Wonderful Counselor. I trust you know the name of Garrison Keeler, famous storyteller and author from Prairie Home Companion. When Garrison Keeler was growing up, he says that his favorite game was a game called Strangers. It was a game where everyone pretended not to know the other people who were playing. And Keeler says he liked to play best with his particular Aunt Lois, who was lots of fun, who was very good at pretending. 
The two of them would often play on bus trips that they would take to visit another aunt, a great aunt who lived in Minneapolis. The two would imagine that they were on separate trips and they would strike up a conversation as if they didn't know each other and they could say whatever they wanted and the conversation would always evolve in amazing ways. To start the game, Keeler says that he would get up from his seat on the bus beside his aunt and walk to the back of the bus and pause and come back and begin the game as soon as he got to his seat. He would say something like, is this seat free? And do you mind if I sit next to you, ma'am? And she would say, no, I don't mind. Have a seat. It's a very pleasant day, isn't it? He says, it is. Are you going all the way to Minneapolis, she would ask? And he would say, as a matter of fact, ma'am, I am going to Minneapolis, but actually I'm going further than Minneapolis. I'm going to New York City. I'm on on a cast of a very successful play that's happening on Broadway. I came back to Minneapolis just because my great aunt died and I'm going back to New York where I'm then going on to Paris where I currently live on the Champs-Élysées and my name is Thomas Flambeau and you've probably heard of me because I'm really famous, right? (laughs) And Aunt Lois would respond, no, I've never heard of you. (laughs) And I'm very sorry about your aunt who died. She must have been quite dear to you, right? She was special in your life. And he said, Oh, not really. (laughs) She was quite old and, you know, I had to come back for her funeral. And uh, she says, oh, so are you close to your family? Uh, Oh, no, not really. I'm adopted, you see. And uh, my real parents were also Broadway actors. And they sent me out here to the farm thinking that I might get care from some cousins of theirs. But they never really understood me out here in this place and Aunt Lois paused and looked out the window and she stayed quiet for a long time just sitting there staring out the window and minutes began to pass and Keeler said to his aunt as he's just a young boy playing this game and he says speak to me please and she didn't And the time passed and she still played the game and she kept looking out the window and the silence grew longer and she then turned and she said, Sir, if you bother me anymore, I'm going to have the bus driver throw you off of this bus. (laughs) And Keeler is getting really nervous. His fear is only growing and... Then the ant looks over and touches his arm and the game is over. Even though this was his favorite game growing up and he loved to play with the ant Lois, he says it was so hard because as they played, the game would spin on and on and he would feel like he was not known by this woman and not understood by this woman. And as he pretended to be someone else and the game went on and they got deeper and deeper into it, it became real. And he became desperate as a kid and he needed her to reach over and touch his arm and end the game and remind him indeed he was known 
and he was loved, and he was not alone. For me, this is a powerful image of how human life can get. How our story with God can get. We get so caught up in our journeys. We get so caught up in whatever story is happening to be playing out in our lives. And we get way down the road. And fear and uncertainty increase around us and in our hearts and even take over. And we need God to break in and touch us and say, I know you and you're not alone and I love you. We need God to break into our stories and remind us, reassure us, comfort us, tell us again, things are okay. And this, this all through the Holy Scriptures is the story of what God is doing. All through the Scriptures, God keeps breaking in and saying, I know you, and I love you, and you're not alone. And it's going to be okay. God breaks in, and God reaches over and calmly touches to comfort and to care and to root us in the reality of God. And to remind us how our lives are meant to go in God's presence, covered up by God's promises. God interrupts the messes of our lives to show us God's face. God interrupts and tells us again, I'm in your midst and you're not alone. This is the kind of God that we have who loves us, who comes among us who reassures us, who tells us again and again, I'm in your midst, I'm your rock and I'm your foundation. And in all your coming and going, in all your stories and in all your circumstances, in all your struggling and uncertainty, you can never get far from me, says the Lord. I'm in your midst. God's presence is real. God's love and God's purposes are for sure. This promise of God's wonderful counselor feels particularly timely for me in this particular week because that's how God comes in many ways, but for sure as a wonderful counselor. And it feels particularly pertinent this week in my life, in our life together. I feel like last week's news coming out of Ferguson, Missouri with all the tensions and police and community and comments and criticisms, it leaves us so desperate for God's coming as wonderful counselor to touch us and say, I'm in your midst. I feel like the news coming out of Charlottesville, but it could be any campus around our country about rape and violence on campus, which reminds us of so much unrest and disrespect in our culture that we're often filled with so much anxiety and so much hurt that we need someone to say, to answer, say you know me, break this up. I'm in your midst. Wonderful counselor, please, isn't this game over? 
wonderful counselor in our midst. And those are just some of the recent issues that we might be perplexed by. There are plenty of other issues going on in our own hearts and own lives. Situations that cast a heavy burden on our hearts. A dark cloud of sadness and a sense of longing for something different. Something more, something better, something more hopeful. Some of you have heard me talk before about Jonathan Sachs. Jonathan Sachs was a longtime chief rabbi of the United Kingdom. And he has written some of the best books that I've read in my whole life. Sachs says that all through our human history, all through life, there's been, especially for God's people, this gap between the is and the ought. What we know very well, especially in this last week, again, is that not everything that is, is good. Not all that happens, not all that is done, is right. We can control many things, but we also know we can't control everything. So while we trust that all will be well in God's promises, and while we trust that all will be Well, in God's time, we know that today, in our culture, in our lives, in our city, around our country, around the world, all is not yet right. That's the gap between the is and the ought. So as God's people, we imagine a world that's different from what has been and and imagine a world from what's different from what that's what that's different from what is. And because we can imagine that kind of world, we then can live and act in such a way as to look for and work for and bring about that kind of world that God intends, the ought. This is the very thing that makes our faith world-transforming. See, we're not a world-accepting kind of people. We live by faith, and our faith makes us a world-transforming kind of people. We keep living and working for God's purposes in the world. We keep acting as if God is in charge. We keep acting with the hope that God's promises and love and peace and joy will prevail everywhere for all people. This is the very thing that may get us out of the bed every morning. This is the very reason we claim God's purposes and Live into them because we know what God calls us to be about. And it's not the way this world is. It's the way God envisions the world to be. We actually order our lives or we want to and we're called to toward the kind of world that God intends from the is to the ought. We affirm that we're God's servants and God calls us to participate with God in the bringing about of that kind of world. We certainly need to look for and work for a better world this Advent. With all that's happening in Ferguson, with fears and tensions growing, angers and issues that are getting so complex that lives are lost and society falters and we find ourselves a very long way from what God intends the world to be. In this week's Richmond newspaper, Michael Paul Williams, columnist on the Metro section, put it very well, saying how fear, not reason, fear, not public policy, fear, not justice, 
seems to have taken center stage. Williams writes, it's, it's not lost on the black community that white men armed with assault rifle, rifles can parade around in public and live to tell the tale while black men and boys possessing toy guns or no weapons at all do not receive the benefit of the doubt. Fear. Williams also reminds us that, quote, young black men fear cops, probably reasonably, and lots of civilians fear black men. We have a long way to go. We have a long way to go between the is and the ought. We need the emerging reign of God to come, especially as wonderful counselor to help us sort these issues out and all the other issues we're facing. We need the wonderful counselor, or as the Gospel of John puts it, the advocate, the one who brings peace, the one Jesus promises to come and settle us and redirect our fears and help us find the life that God intends for all people everywhere. We certainly need to look for and work for uh, campus life and culture in general where women are respected, where sexual violence is forbidden and punished. We need to look for and work for a world that looks more like the beloved community. The beloved community, not the shameful, violent community that's so often ours, the broken lives that we read about and know about firsthand, the heartache and grief that never go away. That's not what we want. Seems like we've been walking too much in the darkness. Here's what Isaiah says. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness like senseless murders, like chronic oppressive structures that leave people helpless and hopeless, like a culture of guns, like racial and social inequalities, like too much anger and too much animosity that just keeps building and, and becoming violent toward one another, like abuse and sexual assault and disrespect and terror the people who walked in that darkness that darkness on them light has shined Isaiah says for unto us a child is born a son is given and he shall be called wonderful counselor because he points us to another kind of existence wonderful counselor because he leads us toward another way from what is Wonderful counselor. And it's not just a hopeful, idyllic image. God keeps speaking through this prophet so that the people will know how to live a certain way. God keeps speaking through Isaiah so, and so other, many other parts of Scripture so that the people will know the way that God really intends life to be. Out of darkness to that realm of justice. Out of darkness to that realm of peace out of darkness, out of the mess, to hope and joy and possibility. Isaiah says, you can't bully people around. Life is about respect. Life is about compassion. This has to be our way. Isaiah says, you can't take advantage of others. Life is about sharing. 
Life is about giving. Life is about serving. This has to be our way. Isaiah says you can't sit back and say you live by faith. Faith calls us to trust God. And faith calls us to act and to do good and to love justice and to work for peace and hope. This is all the things that Isaiah says. Wonderful counselor leads us there. About 50 years ago, writing from a Birmingham jail cell, this is what Martin Luther King Jr. said in the face of great trial and in the face of great difficulty. This is what he says, and I quote, Human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of people, people willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally to the forces of social stagnation. We must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always right and ripe to do right. Now is the time to make real the promise of democracy. Now is the time to transform our pending elegy into a creative psalm of community. Now is the time to lift our policy from the quicksand of injustice to the solid rock of human dignity. See, we got work to do. We got work to do in these days as Advent people we got work to do. Our God comes as wonderful counselor to keep us focused and keep us connected. Our God comes in the midst of darkness to lead us to light so we can move from the is to the ought. Our God comes, reaches over, touches us, breaks into our stories, Life may be heavy, life may be fearful, life may be unsure, but we watch and we wait and we want to work with God, co-creators, in a work that's long from finished. We watch, we wait, we apply our lives to the light and love and the hope and the joy that's promised. The Lord of hosts will do this, Isaiah says. The wonderful counselor, the advocate, is coming and will always be among us. And we certainly want to be a part of it. That realm of love and light and joy and justice that is God's. May it be so. May our lives align in that way. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, wonderful Counselor, thank you. Thank you for your presence and your promises. Help us to move fully into your light and peace toward the fullness of your reign, aligning our lives with Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.